Welcome to the Battlefield Baptist Church Podcast. We are so glad you joined us and pray that this message is a blessing to you today. This week, as we prepare for our missions conference next month, Pastor starts his new sermon series with, Is Missions Important? So if I were to ask you guys the questions, why is missions so important? And I've done that this week. I've asked people throughout the week. I've said, listen, why is mission so important? And typically the answer that uh, most people give, the immediate response, is because it's important to God. Which is great, but uh, if you go out on the street and you say, why is mission so important? You're probably not going to get that answer from everyone. But I want to be real honest this morning and ask ourselves the question, is missions really that important to me? Each one of us have to ask that question. You ask yourself the question, is missions really that important to you? Because, you know, the pastor's talking about faith promise and he's talking about a missions revival that's getting ready to happen. Is it really, really that important or is this just a bunch of huff? I can tell you that I have never met a believer that would outright deny the importance of missions verbally But as you and I know, actions speak so, so much louder than words. I think about our Lord and Savior during His final 40 days on earth. Jesus spoke almost exclusively, almost exclusively about missions. He continually encouraged His followers to be taking the good news of the gospel everywhere they went. In other words, He gave them a mission. Now, when you think of this word mission, the English word mission comes from the Latin word meaning sending. (laughs) And so when we put that together, we think of mission coming from the Latin word sending. As believers, as Christians, it includes this idea of being sent. In fact, if we look at two of the passages that include the Great Commission, it says, go ye. Now, those words, go ye, don't mean go ye. Those words mean as you go. You see, the implication from Jesus was, listen, it's not about get up and go somewhere. What he was saying is, as believers, as my disciples, as you traverse the world, as you go out from this place, then you're to do all these different things that he included in the Great Commission. In John chapter 20 and verse number 21, when Jesus first appeared to his disciples after his resurrection, he said these words, he said, peace be unto you. As my Father has sent me, even so I send you. See, this go ye, this idea of sending, this mission was right from the very get-go out of our Lord and Savior's mouth. Oh, the word mission. I know what some of you are thinking. Say, well, Pastor, I've got to ask you a question because I've done a word search and I've never found the word mission in the Bible. I've heard that before. I've never heard, uh, I've never seen uh, the word missionary in the Bible. And while you might not find the word mission or the word missionary in the Bible, it's abundantly clear to me from God's word and from the very heart of God that missions, missions, missions is incredibly important to God. After all, doesn't the Bible say in John chapter 3 verse 16, for God so loved the world that he... He gave. You see, he sent his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. You see, our God is a missionary God. 
He is extremely concerned with missions. I like that story in John chapter 2. You know the story when Jesus' parents and Jesus, they went up to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover and and the caravan is leaving Jerusalem and they get about a day and a half away and they realize that their 12-year-old son is not with them. It's like going to Walmart and leaving without your child. You get back home and you're like, where is Fill in the blank. This is what happened to Jesus' parents. And they returned to Jerusalem three days later. And guess what? Can you imagine, Mom, Dad? You would be frantic. You would be frantic. They returned to Jerusalem. And in Luke chapter 2, after making their journey, in verse 48 and 49, the Bible reveals that when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And he answered unto them and said, How is it that you sought me? He says, How is it that you sought me? Wished ye not that I must be about my father's business? You see, his business, his father's business, was the mission that he had been given. The Bible says that Jesus himself, he said, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. Missions is incredibly important. Think about it 21 years later from that point when he was in the temple telling his mother and his father, don't you know I need to be about my father's business? 21 years later while he is dying on the old rugged cross on Mount Calvary, Jesus proclaims in John 19.30 those three most beautiful words for a believer when he cried out, it is finished. You see, because when he cried out those words, Everything, and I mean everything, changed for those who believe. If you have placed your faith in the risen Savior, the one who died on a cross was buried. He rose again three days later, according to the scripture, conquering death, hell, and the grave. If you've placed your faith in that Savior, then everything changes. At least it should. And so missions is incredibly important. Jesus understood what his mission was all about. And that same mission that our Lord and Savior had while he was on the earth is now being given to you. It's now being given to me. It is our mission as individual Christians and also as the body of Christ. And so why is mission so important? Well, I'm going to give you three reasons. Now, this is not an exhaustive list, so don't walk away from here saying, well, pastor didn't really tell me all that I needed to know about missions. Well, I have a group here in this room that I'm guessing you want to get to the church picnic. And so we don't have time to cover everything. But three quick thoughts about why missions is so important. Number one, and I think probably the most important, it's biblical. Why is mission so important? It's biblical. Think about these questions. Why would God have sent his son? Why would Jesus have come, died, been buried, resurrected, appeared to his followers, and then ascended back into heaven if missions was not important? Why would Jesus have said, listen, uh, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, and I'm going to go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, then I'm going to come back and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you may be also. Why would he do that? That's ludicrous. I consider the bookends, if you please, when we think about the biblical emphasis of missions. Think about John chapter 1 and verse number 1 and following. The Bible says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. 
Verse 2, the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. You drop down a very, very familiar verse in verse 14 of John chapter 1. The Bible says, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld. Now listen to what John says. He says, we beheld him. We got to see him. We beheld him. We beheld his glory and the glory as of the only begotten of the Father. And he says, full of grace and truth. And so we see that the word became flesh. His mission had begun. But then we see the bookend, which if you look at our missions theme this year, we find part of the bookend in Hebrews chapter 10. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 12 and following, the Bible says, But this man, it's speaking of Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down upon the right hand of God, from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. And then notice what verse 14 says, praise the Lord. It says, For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Listen, his mission was biblical. From the moment the word became flesh and dwelt among us to the moment that he offered one sacrifice for sins forever and he sat down at the right hand of God. That was his mission. He completed his mission. I think about he could have, he could have uh, called in the angels, legions of angels to take him off the cross. He could have, he could have made some uh, 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 different plan. But no, this was his plan. He fulfilled that mission. I think about the fact that however, look at that passage in Hebrews chapter 10, it tells us that he sat down at the right hand of the Father. What we know from the passage that Travis read in Acts chapter 1 is that before he sat down at the right hand of the Father, show verse number 3, verse number 3 of Acts chapter 1. Because verse number 3 of our text states this, it says, To whom also, notice these words, he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Now those phrases, notice them, that he showed himself alive and that there were many infallible proofs. You see, the resurrection is the great fact that the truth of the gospel and hence missions is built upon. It's what it's all established on. Listen, if Jesus doesn't raise out of the grave, then you and I are in trouble. A few of you understand that. If he didn't get up, get up out of that grave and rise from the dead, if he didn't ascend back to the Father and sit down at the right hand of the Father and fulfill our sin debt, we got a problem. I was, Chuck came in the other night and I was going through this. When we think about all these things that Jesus showing himself alive and, and, and all these many infallible proofs. Think about this. Jesus appeared to many different people at several different times. He ate and drank with them. He set an appointment. Then he made the appointment in Galilee. He didn't even have, he didn't even have a cell phone. And he made an appointment and he showed up on time. Listen, uh, he subjected his own body to be touched and handled by them. He taught them in the nature and doctrine of the kingdom. He appeared to more than 500 people at one time. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 tells us that. And then you think about this. He kept on making public appearance after public appearance after public appearance for 40 days. Why? So that he could prove his mission was real. I like what Ralph Winner from the U.S. Center of Worldwide Missions once said, he says this, he says, the Bible is not the basis of missions. Missions is the basis of the Bible. 
when we search the scripture, we find the Great Commission in five different places. Matthew chapter 28, Mark chapter 16, Luke chapter 24, uh, John chapter 20, as I already read, and then Acts chapter 1. And so we find the gospel presented, and they, they say various things, but how in each biblical mandate that we find the great commission of our Lord and Savior, we find these truths. We're to preach the gospel, we're to baptize converts, and we're also to disciple new believers. You see, missions is incredibly important. Today there are more than 7 billion, with a B, billion people living on planet earth. And untold millions upon millions are still waiting to hear a clear presentation of the gospel. I wonder where I'd be if somebody had never told me about the gospel. I wonder if I'd even be alive. I wonder if I'd have just made poor choice after poor choice after poor choice. Romans chapter 10, the Bible says this in verse number 13 and following. It says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But what I want you to pay attention to is verse 14 and 15. And I want you to mark in your memory or in your Bible or some way. Mark it, the word how, over and over and over. In verse number 14, the Bible says, how? Then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? Going back to the idea of the word mission coming from the Latin word meaning sending. Luke chapter 12 verse number 48 Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ reminds us of another principle when he says, For unto whomsoever much is given, of him shall be much required. As believers, we have been so, so blessed. And because we've been blessed, we are biblically responsible to take the gospel ourselves. See, missions, it's like, oh, great, we're going to have missions revival and we'll take up faith promise and we'll send more missionaries to the field. That's awesome, man. I'm so excited. No, see, we're supposed to take the gospel ourselves as we go, as you go, as you traverse this earth, whether you're a barber, whether you're a mailman, whether you're a housewife, whether you're in corporate law, it doesn't matter what your occupation is. As a Christian, you are a missionary. Not a popular thought, I see. But I got news for you. Whether we want to participate or not, you are participating. You see, we're called to be the salt and the light. And I got news for you. You're salt and you're light. The question is, what kind of salt are you? And what kind of light are you? See, we have all been called to be missionaries. Why is missions so important? It's important because it is biblical. In fact, look just a few pages over at Acts chapter 9. I want you to see something. Acts chapter 9, it's incredible here. I think about this fact that if God gives us the Holy Spirit at the moment of salvation, and He does, and if we know that we have the power of the Holy Spirit that is taken up residence in our hearts and our lives, which we do, then it begs the question, what should we be doing with the Holy Spirit? 
What should we be doing in our lives? Notice what took place with Saul's conversion. And I want you to notice what happens at his conversion and then also what begins to take place. Notice in Acts chapter 9, I want you to look at verses 1 and following. And it says, And Saul, breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went into the high priest. Now remember, he's a murderer at this time. He consented unto the death of Christians. And so he goes to uh, the high priest and desired him letters to Damascus to the synagogues that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, <laughs> that he may, uh, might bring them uh, bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round him a light from heaven, and he fell to the earth. Let me tell you something. Let's just stop here for a second. When the light of heaven shines on your light, on your life, you're going to fall to the earth. You're going to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. And if you've never had an occasion where you have humbled yourself under the mighty hand of God, I would encourage you to check out your salvation. You say, are you judging me? No, I'm not judging you. I'm saying just like I have to do, I have to look in the mirror and be very honest with my spiritual walk with God. And if you have never come to the point where you have humbled yourself under the mighty hand of God, then there's a problem. You see, because to receive Christ, one must humble themselves first. One must understand their sinful condition first before they get in on the blessings of God. And so if you've never had that happen to you, then there might be a problem. And you say, well, maybe that's why this is going on, this, this, and this. So go, go back to the passage with me. It says, and as he journeyed, he came near to Damascus, verse 3, and suddenly there shone round about him a light from heaven, and he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, who art thou, Lord? He questioned, who art thou, Lord? He's like, is this the Lord? Notice, and the Lord said unto him, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he trembling and astonished said, notice his immediate response, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. Listen, when we trust Christ, our response should be, at that moment of salvation, we ought to say, Lord, what, thou, what wilt thou have me to do? What do you want me to do? I believe he's still wanting us to ask those questions today. Drop down in verse 13 and 14. See, because here's what happens. Saul goes into the city, and then uh, the Lord speaks to Ananias, right? And he tells Ananias, get down to the street which is called Straight. And notice what the Bible says. And, and here's Ananias' response to the Lord. <laughs> Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to the saints at Jerusalem. Notice it's a continuation. There's a colon there. Verse number 14. And here he hath authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on thy name. He's like, Lord, are you sure you want me to go? Because this guy could have me thrown in jail. Or worse. Notice what verse 15 and 16 says. Read on. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. And what you know, if you read the rest of the story, four verses later you drop down to verse number 20. Uh, Saul is now preaching Jesus Christ. 
He, he, gets, he gets saved. He gets radically saved by the power of the gospel. And God gives him his mission. He says, listen, you just go on down into the city. And we're going to... And by the way, they have to lead him because he's blind. Right? And when Ananias gets there, he touches him. And, and, is, and it's like scales. The scales of unbelief. You've heard that mentioned before. The scales fall from his eyes. And then four verses later, he's preaching Christ. I think about it. He goes from wanting to wreak havoc in the lives of Christ believers to becoming a witness for Jesus Christ. And probably one of the greatest witnesses that Christ has ever known. How amazing is that? From murderer to missionary right here in God's word without ever saying the word mission. (laughs) Oh yes, every believer has been given a missionary mandate from God. John, the apostle John. He records, Jared and I were talking about this the other day. John records in 1 John 2, 2 that Jesus Christ, the righteous, is the propitiation. That word propitiation is a big word that simply means he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And John says, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Now that word world is pretty important because it is the word cosmos. And it actually means all the descendants of Adam. Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Yes, Jesus loves the little children of the world. And you say, whoa, he loves all the little children of the world? Yes, he loves all the children of the world. Do you want to know why? Because every child has been created in the image of Almighty God. Oh, let's not be be, uh, 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 mixing the facts up. You see, the Apostle John, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, does not say that Jesus died for a select part of the world. He doesn't say he died for the white, he died for the black, but he didn't die for the yellow or the red. No, it says he died for the sins of the whole world. And he says also, he didn't die for just some out of every tribe or some out of every nation, but it says he died for the whole world, all of mankind. I get pretty pretty excited about that. You guys are like, man, you must have had an energy drink this morning. I can assure you I have not. <laughs> guys, any attempt, can I just say this? I have this in my, in my notes. Any attempt to limit the efficacy or the effectiveness of Jesus' life, his death, his burial, and his resurrection is a gross injustice to the Lord our God and to his word. And since I believe this book to be infallible, since I believe this book to be inerrant, and our rule for faith and practice, God's word tells us that Jesus died for the sins of the whole world. And since he tells us this, it's not only biblical, but it's actually logical that you and I would be deeply concerned and extremely committed to reaching out all around the world here in our Jerusalem and all around the world with the blessed gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because it's biblical. Number two, I can assure you, is a shorter point. It is impactful. Why is mission so important? It's impactful. I think about Jesus' empty tomb and his resurrection, how that would have impacted those that were around. Can you imagine Mary and Mary Magdalene and, and these ladies, they come to the tomb to anoint the body of Jesus with spices, and it's like the tomb is empty, and then Jesus speaks to them. Can you imagine how impactful that was? The Bible says they ran and ran as fast as they could to go tell the other disciples. See, it impacted their lives. 
Jesus' ascension back into the heavens impacted his disciples. In Acts chapter 2, we see the disciples getting busy. We see the early church getting busy because they were impacted by the gospel. In Acts chapter 9, we just read it. The apostle Paul, uh, who is Saul at that point, gets immediately busy because he had been impacted by the gospel. Missions is so important because it's impactful. The Presbyterian pastor and teacher of yesteryear, J. Howard Eddington, once declared this. He said, people who don't believe in missions have not read the New Testament. Right from the beginning, Jesus said, the field is the world. The early church actually took him at his word and went east, west, north, and south. It impacts lives. I want you to know something. There is no way in this universe... The people who know me best, I would say my wife and my family, the people who know me best know that when I am not preaching or teaching, my greatest pleasure is to sit quietly alone. That's because I have a certain character trait. It's called being melancholy or phlegmatic. It's an introverted uh, uh, personality. The introvert in me wants to sit alone. But the believer in me wants to shout that Jesus saves, Jesus saves. I've heard the joyful sound that Jesus saves. You say, well, you've always been kind of gregarious. The only time I get really gregarious is when I'm talking about Jesus. My personality trait is an introvert. You say, well, how do you do that? Because I was impacted by the gospel. The gospel changed my life. I had my plans. And I thought I had figured it all out. What I was going to do with my life. Where I was going to be. You may be sitting here this morning still trying to figure out. What am I going to do with my life? Can I tell you just open up your heart to whatever God would do in your life? You say well I'm too old to be a missionary. No you're not. You're still breathing aren't you? Well, I'm 72 years old. Well, good. Good for you. You got a plenty of time to get out there and tell people about Jesus. It doesn't matter how old you are. We got missionaries all around the world in their 80s still telling people about Jesus. Do you know you can be a missionary in the grocery store, sir? You can be a missionary in the marketplace. You know, you can even be a missionary when you go down here to Blue Ridge Seafood. I think about Edward Kimball. <laughs> Edward Kimball could have never imagined the impact that Dwight L. Moody would have had on the world when he led him to Christ. Think about another guy by the name of Mordecai Ham. <laughs> he had no earthly idea how God would use one of his sermons back in the spring of 1934 when a young boy by the name of Billy Graham came forward and trusted Christ as his savior. See, missions is important because it is impactful. The apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 17, he said, "For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with the wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect, for the preaching of the cross," verse 18, "is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God." And if you were to go on, you get down to verse number 21 of chapter 1, and the passage says it 
please God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. You say, well, I don't really like listening to preaching. Do you know that's God's wisdom, not the world's wisdom. God uses the foolishness of preaching his word to draw men and women and boys and girls to the foot of the cross. It's the word of God and the Holy Spirit of God that draw us to Christ. Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, verse number 8, he said, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost part of the earth. Listen, my mission, our mission is to be witnesses in our Jerusalem, our Judea and our Samaria and also to be sending missionaries to the uttermost part of the earth. You say, when are we going to slow down? We've gone in less than four years, pastor, when you became pastor, we only supported 89 missionaries. Now we support 115. Praise the Lord. When are we going to slow down? Can we really keep up this, play, this pace? Absolutely we can. If we have a heart for missions, we can keep up this pace. We can do more. We ought to be doing more. There's no reason we shouldn't send more missionaries out. And by the way, there may be a missionary sitting in these pews that needs to go out from this church. Maybe it's you. Never know. Open yourself up. Listen, I think about the Apostle Paul. He said this in Romans 1.16. Talking about this idea. He says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Listen, as we go, light our world, our thoughts, our words, and our actions should be that which God can use to impact others. If you know me, you know that a lot of times when I pray, I ask God to watch over our thoughts, to watch over our mouths, put a guard at the door of our mouth. By the way, I said this a few weeks ago, your mouth sometimes is evidenced by what your thumbs do. You say, well, I didn't say it. Yes, you did. You just said it in print. We have to be careful what we think. We have to be careful what we say. We have to be careful what we do. Because we have all been given a mission. Listen, it's biblical, it's impactful, and then lastly, you say, why is mission so important? Quite simply, it's needful. It's needful. The Bible tells us all in Romans 3, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's needful. Because I'm a sinner, because we have all sinned and come short of God's glory, we need people to tell us about Jesus. That's why I'm thankful. I'm thankful for 2 Peter 3 9. 2 Peter 3 9 reminds us all that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You see, His plan is for those of us who already know and believe the truth of the gospel to go out and share that same truth and that same love with others who have never heard. I was, I was texting another pastor this morning that I pray for every week. We agreed to pray for one another this whole, this whole year. He's actually down in Mississippi. He's not literally right down the street, but he pastors a church in Mississippi. And we were texting each other uh, back and forth this morning. And I said these words. I said, how amazing is it that God trusts us with the amazing task of carrying the gospel to a lost and dying world? How amazing, how humbling is it that he would trust us to do his work on his behalf. Oh, he could have chosen any means. 
by which to get the gospel, the story of redemption to the world. However, he chose us. And as I said earlier, without the gospel, you and I as men and women are most miserable. And without the gospel, we have no hope. But I'm so thankful for John 14, 6, where Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And no man cometh to the Father but by me. Our commission is clear. Our commission is clear, guys. We're to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. I like what Stuart Holden said. He said, go ye is as much part of Christ's gospel as come unto me. Everybody likes that when Jesus says, come unto me, all ye who are uh, burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We like that passage. But he says, go ye is as much part of Christ's gospel as come unto me. You cannot claim to be a faithful Christian until you have honestly faced your responsibility in regards to carrying the gospel to the end of the earth. Oh yes, the gospel is needed and it's needed now. I think uh, those Macedonian Christians of old in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, they, uh, they were used of God to get the gospel all around. And in verse 1 of 2 Corinthians chapter 8, the Bible says this. It says, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves." praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did, not as we first hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us, notice these last words, and unto us by the what? The will of God. You see, it was God's will for them to do this. See, they saw the need and responded by giving themselves to the Lord. It was His will they responded, and God used that church. I imagine what would happen. I can only imagine what would happen, rather, if you and I, everyone in this room, would truly give ourselves to the Lord first. You see, because faith promise, giving, missions, going and sending, that's not about your pocketbook. It's about what's inside of our hearts. It's about what is going on inside of this, this little cavity here in our chest, our hearts, as we look around the world. I wonder if we gave ourselves to the Lord this next year. I wonder what God could do in and through us to reach our own Jerusalem. What would He do in and through us to send more missionaries, to reach more people with the gospel all around the world? John Wesley said, untold millions are still untold. Today we hear about spiritual, physical, and financial struggles that continue to exist all around the world. And certainly it's happening now in Texas and Louisiana because of Harvey and, and this, 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 this huge, enormous storm. And some may ask, is it really worth it? Is it worth it when you look around and you see much, so much suffering, so much struggle, so, much problems and so many problems? Is it really worth it? I can tell you this. I may not have all the answers... But I do know this. It's like an old song I used to say, sing. People need the Lord. Thank you, three people. People still need the Lord. This is still a Baptist church. We still preach the gospel. 
We still send missionaries out. We still believe in the power of God's Word. We still believe in the Holy Spirit. We have a great opportunity. But we not only have an opportunity, we have an obligation. We have been bought out of the slave market of sin. He established our goings. He set our feet upon a solid rock and established our goings. There's no other foundation that we can build upon except upon the foundation of Jesus Christ and Him alone. We cannot escape the truth found in God's Word that should guide our steps. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and I close it down, guys. Notice what the Bible says in verse 17 and following. It says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given unto us the ministry of reconciliation. Remember those words. To wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. And if you go on in verse 20, it says, Now then ye are ambassadors for Christ. Just stay with me for a second. We've been given the ministry of reconciliation. The Bible says now we are ambassadors for Christ. Remember all the way back at the beginning of the message, I told you that the word mission actually comes from the Latin word meaning sending. As ambassadors for Christ, we have been sent by the Lord as his representatives. As ambassadors, we are to make decisions based on what God says in his word. See, we are overseers of this mysteries of God's Word. We're to make decisions based on what He says, not based on what we feel. See, and as ambassadors, we are to follow in His footsteps. I like how our passage, Travis read, ended in verse 10 and 11 of Acts chapter 1. After Jesus said, you're going to be witnesses unto me all around the world. In verse 10, the Bible says this. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. The angels say, what are you looking at? What are you looking at? He's already given your marching orders. He's already told you to go and wait for the Holy Spirit to come upon you. What are you watching? The show is over. It's time to get busy. Quit standing around looking up in the clouds and go get busy. But when I think about that passage, it's a huge reminder, at least to me, that our time is limited. Because he said that same Jesus that went up is going to turn around and come back. And other passages of Scripture says you don't know when he's coming back. You have no clue. You can listen to all the theologians you want. You can actually pretend to be a theologian if you want. And you'll still never come up with a clue when Jesus is going to come back. He's going to come back when you least expect it. (laughs) He said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. Can I tell you something? We are living in days like Noah lived. Oh, we better be very careful. We need to be looking up because our redemption draws nigh. Missions is important, guys, because it's biblical, it's impactful, but because we are all sinners, it is needful. So I'm asking you, with all that I can, 
all that's in my heart to start praying right now. Praying right now. What will I do in the coming year for the cause of Christ? Am I going to be faithful in my church attendance? Because see, that speaks loudly of your faith. Whether you believe it or not, your church attendance isn't just to puff me up. Your church attendance speaks loudly to your neighbors. Your church attendance speaks loudly to unbelievers. Because if they don't see that you think it's a priority to worship Jesus, then you'll never get them to understand or listen to you present the gospel. Are you going to be faithful in that? Are you going to be faithful in your service for the Lord this year? Are you going to be faithful with faith promise? Or are you just going to throw in the towel? Because I've been there, done that too. There have been times in my life when I've thrown in the proverbial towel. Well, God, it just doesn't seem to be making a difference. I, I preach, I preach, I preach, and this one doesn't like that. This one doesn't like that. Or maybe they do like this. I don't know. All I know is I let God be true and every man a liar. I serve the Lord the best I can with what he has given me the capabilities to do. My question is, what are we all doing? I can only manage what I'm doing for the Lord and encourage you to do the same. It's biblical, it's impactful, and it's needful. If you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ, I want to encourage you. Hopefully you heard the message, it's needful. But hopefully you understand through some of the things that we said that God so loved the world. That includes you, all the inhabitants of the earth, that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. If you have never placed your faith in Christ, do not walk out there and get a hamburger or a hot dog until you do it. Place your faith in Jesus today. You say, well, I, I, I'm a little too nervous to deal with that. Listen, we're going to have a time of invitation. I'm going to ask every head bowed, every eye closed. I don't want anybody looking around. And if you've never trusted Christ, I'm going to turn off this little microphone, and I'd be happy to show you from God's Word how that you can know that you can know that you'll have a home in heaven. And I can guarantee you, Jesus Christ already paid the price. You say, well, I'm just a dirty, filthy sinner. Guess what? So am I. The only difference is I have been covered by the blood of Jesus. You say, well, is that a license to sin? Oh, God forbid, the Bible says. Whatever your need is, whatever your station in life is, I pray that in the next couple of minutes of time, you'll do business with God. You'll do business with God, whether you sit there where you're at or you come to an altar, a place of acknowledgement. Say, God, I need you to change my heart. God, I need you to set my soul afire again. God, I need to get on the firing line for you. I've pulled back, and that's not right. God, I want to do more for you in the next year. And God, I'm asking you to give me the strength, the wisdom, and the power to do it. Whatever your need is, you come. Thank you so much for listening. For more information about our ministry, please go to battlefieldbaptist.org or follow us on Facebook or Twitter. See you next time.